2: A hundred episodes, Brandon. Blah, blah, blah. And like we did a hundred. Like, this is a real hundred because I went back and actually ref- finished the one episode that I skipped that one time. We, the ba- we backfilled the skipped episodes. <laughs> yep, we we finally backfilled that one skipped episode. That uh, well, let's just say reasons. <laughs> but this is the real episode one
1: hundred. Also, is... if anyone was confused why we went a little bit out of order recently, we were backfilling anything we skipped to have a real one hundred.
2: Yeah, it was that one episode. We only we only skipped the one. And that was that was the one that was supposed to be Wendigo. Yeah. But got replaced with Chupa The Chup? The Chupa thingy. The Chupa thingy. The Warthog. Yes. Um I
1: should have gotten that clue when you tweeted it too but there's no reason why
2: I should not have gotten that clue uh, Brandon I was actually like not disappointed but I was surprised I I, no (laughs) no disappointed I was disappointed in you a little bit yeah a little bit just a like not a lot but a little just enough to be like god damn it Brandon you're killing me here I should have gotten that to the
1: extent in that like The people with whom I know today, from back in the day, I met at your house screaming at each other over Halo.
2: Yes. Like, voices were lost. Pretty much everyone, with the exception of one person that I can think of, pretty much everyone that I'm currently friends with was there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, that's the day I met Sir
1: people we know i lost mm-hmm. we lost we mutually lost our voices sitting next to each other screaming get in the warthog i already am in the warthog yeah, ah. yeah.
2: it's a thing it's a thing and now but and yeah na-
1: and now we're adults and we talk and about at- monsters on the internet to strangers
2: yeah we're definitely adults i mean if anything i guess you're technically more of an adult than me at this point that's like, debatable Under the broadest, under the broadest definition, like, I mean, you're having a kid, so like. Having, so like, I have
1: like a box checked more than you have.
2: True, true, (laughs) but like, I mean, that box is going to stay unchecked for me, but that's a whole nother thing, but that's responsibility that I don't want to handle. So, technically, you're more responsible than me.
1: Technically. And we were talking right before this, so what I do want to go into is that I'm merely shifting irresponsibility from mm-hmm, myself, mm-hmm. right? Because we were talking, and I would yeah. do some careless spending on making, like, props for movies, TV shows,
2: yeah, and like, video um, games.
1: like the fanny pack, too, as well. Oh, yeah, and the... F- <laughs> and then... <sighs> How much was well,
2: that fanny pack that you bought?
1: That's uh, the Blenciaga fanny pack from sacks fifth avenue that was a <coughs> grand or so um
2: yeah yeah it, they, if i remember correctly uh they shut down your credit your card after you bought that yeah they because i've never <laughs> shopped
1: at i've never so i do a lot of dumb random spending and usually that's mm-hmm. on like random chemicals and stuff for He's on several
2: watch lists.
1: I'm on lots of watch lists, mostly for making props and guitars. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. never shopped... I never bought any fancy clothes in my life before because those chemicals tend to stain them. Anyway, I bought a fancy (laughs) fanny pack once and then the bank was like, this
2: clearly can't be Brandon. This can't be Brandon. It's it's not dangerous enough... Well, actually a fanny pack's pretty dangerous, but like it's It's, not dangerous enough like, chemically speaking. The last
1: the the if I this is if I remember correctly and I think I do the last purchase I made prior to the fanny pack from Saks Fifth would have been a big ol' sack of aluminum oxide. Um,
2: Wait, Saks Fifth sells aluminum oxide? No,
1: no, that's the last thing I used the credit card for. So I got oh, the fanny okay, pack okay. from Saks, but I got a big sack of aluminum oxide, okay. which you you could either use to make thermite. Or I've got some guitars I made behind me. Do some cool inlays. It's up to you decide, government. Which uh, whatever I mean, one I'm doing.
2: Probably like both. It's like both are equally likely for you. Both a are equally bit. likely. Yeah, like like let's be real, Brandon. Both of those are a possible. Like neither of those is off the table. I've I've never made thermite, but I have been around thermite. <laughs> I mean, thermite adjacent, yeah. There was a lot of thermite in our high school. Yeah, in
1: school, specifically behind the cafeteria. Uh,
2: Yeah, like, I remember there being a lot of... Like, an upsetting amount of thermite in high school. Which, in like retrospect, as an adult, is like, what the fuck? Why was there so much thermite? It's it's, so it does make sense. I don't know how
1: much you watched Mythbusters, but about two weeks before that... Mythbusters aired their thermite episode, and then shortly after, the chemistry professor made thermite in class. And I think that was a way to try to like connect interests in from like popular media and with the students. Um, now, should it have been thermite? I'll say no. maybe, probably no. No, but was no, that a I can, solid I effort? Yeah, because no. we we still remember it.
2: <laughs> but I'm gonna say it was a. It's definitely a no.
1: Yeah, definitely like, a no.
2: <laughs> like, definitely a no. There's, like, not a question of whether it's a no or not. It's yes, yes, definitely no. Like, the yeah. types of people who were in those classes should not have been, like, even remotely allowed to know about the existence of thermite.
1: I should not know what how to make thermite from high school, nor should I have probably disclosed half the ingredients just now. <laughs>
2: Thermite's so easy to make though. It's two things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just two things. Like like didn't they uh didn't they like not say it on
1: they censored it on Mythbusters. So yeah, I think that's yeah. why um our professor uh, uh, showed the class is because like oh here's a cool thing that they censored on TV and I can show these kids and now they'll have fun with chemical reactions and also don't look directly into the light.
2: You might get blinded.
1: You might get blinded.
2: Meow, 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 meow. Yeah, so we're at we're at a hundred episodes and we're yeah. really good at starting episodes. So bad. We're super professional. We're super professional at this whole thing. Um God, I can't believe we There you if you've listened to every episode of the show, you've like listened to like 200 plus hours of our voices basically i feel like yeah well no you've listened to 100 plus like over 150 hours of our voices
1: oh yeah you've lost days of your life Mm -hmm. um you've you've
2: almost lost a week of your life
1: yeah i'm almost curious to figure out in which order like because we grew from episode one to whatever this is now and um I believe there was an improvement, but I'm curious if people started with one and continued. Um
2: I mean the numbers say yes.
1: The numbers do say yes. And I will the say there's say a lot it. of uh was yes. a lot of fun stuff in the first twenty uh two episodes with the fake commercials and the number stations.
2: They were decisions that we made.
1: Uh, they were fun. <laughs> they were decisions.
2: <laughs> I came up with those as, as pitches and I never contributed anything to any of them. I was just pitching. I was like literally just pitching ideas for like things we could do in that like document. And like it wasn't serious necessarily. It was more like, here's some ideas. Here's some things we might do. And then you fucking ran with them.
1: Well, I ran hard. I own royalty free music now for the. Which is also very funny because when Erica plays her video games, it turns out a lot of them use royalty-free music. So she'll be like, I like the song. And I'll be like, boop, 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 this one, and just play it. She'll be like, yeah. Um, And then there's that one that was, was it the intro to um, Promise Neverland? Where I noticed that they stole royalty-free music. Yeah. I I found the exact song they stole with the exact audio watermark.
2: I it wasn't it was the whole the,
1: song. It was a component was, of the song.
2: I thought it was the fire bit that they It took. was the like fire the way, bit. Yeah, it was the like literally literally They stole fire. the
1: watermark. So so if people don't know, so when you see like uh stock photos online and in, you see the watermark like Getty Images across it, when you go to these websites like Pond5 or whatever for music, they have audio watermarks. So for example, um If you're listening to a jazz, you'll hear a voice go on fire while the song plays so you can't steal the whole song. So this Mm -hmm. anime stole just the watermark from the royalty-free music and put it in their theme.
2: They could have paid for it, technically.
1: They could have paid for it, but then they couldn't get. Once you pay for it, you lose the watermark. No,
2: no. I mean, they could have, like, licensed the watermark. You can you can still license the watermark, technically. There's,
1: I don't know. It's a, oh, it's just this fun in between ground.
2: I mean, honestly, I think it falls under fair use for sampling.
1: Yeah, it could also. I would argue it's more artistic to steal the anti piracy thing.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think it falls under our fair use. Well, because that that like that's part of fair use. It's trans. Like art- it's
1: transformative.
2: Yeah. So I from think the original I think content. T- yeah. I like how we're talking about whether or not. Uh, the promised neverland opening song taking the fire thing from something is like whether or not that's legal so under like dcma do,
1: do you know why you no longer see the you wouldn't download a car um ads in before movies in theaters no they stole that... the music they stole the music and can no longer show those. You wouldn't pirate a car, would you?
2: All right. Well, that's just true. The world is just purely filled with irony, and like, I think I might just die now. Yeah. Um. All right. So this is episode 100 of Cryptopedia. If this is where you're starting, sorry. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say is sorry. Um, (laughs) we're a podcast that talks about, uh, cryptids, the paranormal, things that go bump in the night. Um, apparently watermarks and fanny packs, I guess. Things that go hump Um, in the night. We do talk about those occasionally, for sure. I mean, we talk about humans, so, like, that's kind of by definition, like... At least there's at least a few of the people we talk about on the show that go hump in the night. <laughs> yep. By definition. Um, but anywho, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And uh this week's episode is a big one. I've teased it. I've basically given it away. If you've if you've read any of the tweets that I've made, uh I've definitely given it away because there's just so much in this. That I am floored by right now <laughs> and still floored by. Like, I had an epiphany moment making this episode, and it's one of the worst epiphanies I've ever had. So, uh without further ado, Brandon, if there were a cryptid that was Cryptopedia's mascot, I think it would yeah. be the Sasquatch. We like but bo- John,
1: like John literally That is the Cryptopedia mascot. It's in our artwork.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's pretty much guaranteed to be our mascot. Like, yeah. in addition to being the face of the podcast art, um, a Bigfoot or Sasquatch-like creature has appeared in, like, seven or eight of the 99 episodes of the show.
1: Oh, yeah. And if you're ever thinking, oh, they've got Bigfoot, when are they going to talk about Bigfoot? Now we're talking about Bigfoot. Oh, I've also talked. Look, Bigfoot.
2: Squatch some surf.
1: Bigfoot, I just happen to have random Bigfoot stickers do you? Why do you, why do you have around.
2: random Bigfoot stickers on your desk? Because that I have random,
1: that is a pretty good one. Random Bigfoot, I have so many random Bigfoot things. Well, how did you get them? There's, I just get Bigfoot stickers now.
2: Alright, I mean that happens. Sometimes People stuff like just that just People just give happens. them to me. Like on Amazing. my keychain.
1: You gave me the thing for my keychain.
2: True, true, I did. I did. Well, but like I was in I was in Van, I was on Vancouver Island. So like like I'm not going to not pick up a Bigfoot keychain for you. What is Is that a mask? It's a Bigfoot mask. God damn it. I I have baby Yoda masks, but that's a separate thing. <laughs> um I know it's a Grogu, but like baby Yoda's baby Yoda. Uh God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Brandon has just showed me. Uh, I don't know what the first thing was, but it was it was definitely a baby Yoda, it's a,
1: a baby Yoda phone holder, and yeah, a, and, and I've I've been drinking my water out of the last many many episodes out of a baby Yoda thermos.
2: Yeah, it's a it's 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 wonderful. It's truly wonderful. Um, but Brandon, those episodes they usually covered purported subspecies and one-off events, basically, right? Yes. Um, like Battle of Canyon, uh, the. McCall, the guy who got kidnapped, uh, Peter Alfred or whatever. Um, the, uh, you know Albert, what I realized? Do you mean Albert Ostman? Yeah, that one. Peter Alfred. <laughs> Peter Alfred. Peter Alfred. Are you Alfred. having a stroke? <laughs> I might be.
0: Brandon, Don't say I it again. A, he'll, I, he'll Brandon,
2: I have, I have, like, fallen asleep after 2 a.m. every night this week. And it's not because I was just staying up late. It's because I was working on something. So like I'm in <laughs> I'm in a mood in uh, an emotional state. So like let's just let's just give John a, a little bit of a break when he misremembers Albert Osman's name. Um <laughs> funny story though, we haven't covered the skunk ape.
1: No, we haven't.
2: Which I didn't realize. That was a surprising one to me.
1: There's a number um, of sub um there's subsquatches so many. that we haven't there's touched so on many,
2: there's so many subsquatches that it's and i also want to dispel something yeti is not a subsquatch yeti is a disc, is a discrete thing it's probably a bear but that's a whole other thing um uh but conspicuously brandon we've never covered the origin of sasquatch
1: not og bigfoot big daddy foot we have not touched
2: we i i mentioned it in one episode a long time ago um I think it was the Battle of Eight Canyon or it might have been the Let's uh we did it might Battle have been
1: Christmas Canyon, Christmas was, foot, I, White Bigfoot, um yeah. Orang Pendic. Orang pendic um, is not Bigfoot though. Not a Orang Bigfoot Pendik is it's just a humanoid Orang is different. It's biped a biped thing.
2: Um but but we never like I only touched on it very briefly.
1: Yowie maybe.
2: Yowie yeah, could potentially be. But I mean that's that's an indigenous that's a whole nother thing. Um But we also haven't talked about the the Peter Gimlin, uh, Peter Gimlin. Oh my god, the Patterson Gimlin film. The Patterson Gimlin. I read it. I wrote Brandon. Brandon, I wrote this. I don't know (laughs) what is wrong with me.
1: You did write Peter Gimlin. I did write Peter Gimlin.
2: I literally wrote Peter Gimlin. That's why I said Peter Gimlin. I know that it's Patterson Gimlin. Gimlin. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me this episode? Uh, I guess because this is episode 100. The Patterson um, Ghibli film? The Patterson Ghibli film? Oh my god. The food looks so delicious in that movie. It does.
1: I was watching Spirited Away right before we started recording for the first time ever.
2: That's the first time you've watched it?
1: I watched the first hour this morning right before right now. Wow. And, um... I don't know if anyone else has came to I'm sure other people have noticed the same thing but I think everyone's dead because the first scene of that Uh, the second scene of that movie I'm only an hour in so don't spoil it they're drive the dad takes a wrong turn and is like don't worry I have four wheel drive and floors it through the fucking woods and then his daughter flies to the back of the car and the very next scene is them walking through a tunnel to the spirit world so I think the movie opens with the dad wrapping the family in a car around a tree, and their lifeless corpses walk into the spirit world, and that's the movie.
2: I'm not gonna say anything, but I, I'm not gonna say anything. Um, <laughs> but I thought it would be finally uh, appropriate to cover the gaps in our reporting on one of my favorite cryptids. Yes, um, everyone's I mean, favorite Thunder- cryptid, the no, A-lister. Not- Oh, uh, Thunderbirds, my favorite cryptid, but that's a whole other what? thing. what I've literally said this on the show. I have so? gone on record saying Thunderbird is my favorite cryptid.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: like literally said I have gone on record saying that it's my favorite cryptid. I just think it's cool.
1: It is a cool bird. Zapdos. Yeah,
2: I mean, kind of. It's actually bigger than Zapdos. Zapdos isn't that big. What? The legendary birds aren't that big, if my memory. I didn't is correct. know
1: that. I only know them from the from the games.
2: Um,
0: Have I seen Zapdos. Zapdos in the show,
2: Brandon? How tall do you think Zapdos is? Don't look it up.
1: Okay, uh, Zapdos. I'm gonna, I would say on on foot would be my head would be at his back, so I would say six foot tall, twelve ish foot long, and I would say a wingspan of twenty four feet.
2: How heavy do you think it might be?
1: How Heavy? He's a bird, so like four pounds.
2: <laughs> Brandon, Zapdos is five foot three.
0: What?
1: I
2: mean, Mold for Trace a bird, is that's six, seven. Big. Huh. Lugia is actually big. Lugia is seventeen feet tall. Lugia. Wow, Lugia. Um, but anywho, uh, this week, Brandon, I'm going to be using two main sources. Uh, All right. the, star- the story behind America's Darling Cryptid. Uh, Abominable Science, Origins of the Yeti, Nessie, and Other Famous Cryptids by Daniel Loxton and Donald Nash. Uh, Daniel Loxton is the one who wrote the se- segment that I'm going to be using things from. And Hunting Monsters, Cryptozoology and the Reality Behind the Myths by Darren Nash. Um, did I say that twice? I think I might have. Uh, both books have been used as sources in the past, and I consider them to be some of the better reporting on origins of famous cryptids. So like if you are interested in any of the famous cryptids, definitely read that. Like uh I think I pulled Mokile de Membe's stuff from there. Um Yeah. Abominable pulled... Science
1: is also on my book in my bookshelf right now. Like definitely it's pre- it's recommend it.
2: It's a good book. It's a good book. Uh Nessie's in Abominable Science. Um it's pretty good. Um likewise, I'll be pulling a little bit from Lauren Coleman's work. Uh, not because I actually think that anything he says is actually the way things are, um, but because I want to offer the credulous viewpoint as well. Science so, yeah, um, that's not really science that's that's just like... science
1: anything he shout is true. Science
2: <sighs> Oh God, Now I'm remembering the song "Weird Science" and the fa- so it's October, <laughs> right, spooky season. It's spooky season. I was like, I'm going to put on a an October playlist, right? Okay. I didn't make the playlist. Brandon, what name one song that you think is on that playlist?
1: Uh, let's see. Number 1, Monster Bash. Uh, number 2, um uh, uh, uh Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups. Uh, number 3, uh anything by Rob Zombie. Number 4, no, Mambo number 5.
2: Literally, literally everything you said is not on that.
1: There's no Rob Zombie on an October playlist.
2: No. It's all Why? like it's all stuff that like has ghost in the name or like was in a like uh what call it? The the Jump in the Line song from the end. Is ending. there
1: anything from the band Ghost on the October playlist?
2: I don't think there is. huh. <sighs> The Monsters theme song was on it, though, and I was pretty stoked about that.
1: Okay, okay, so I'm not, technically, I'm not wrong, because Rob Zombie is directing the reboot of The Monsters.
2: I mean, that's, wait, Rob Zombie's directing the reboot of The Monsters? Of course. How, how, much, how much do you think we're going to see his wife's breasts in that movie? Hopefully a lot. Because, um, like, cause like, there's huge swaths of, uh... House of a Thousand Corpses that are just her dancing with her breasts out.
1: Yeah. If like I was Rob Zombie, you can't blame Rob Zombie for doing the Rob Zombie thing.
2: Like, so much of that movie, like, I watched that movie, it's an interesting movie, it's wild, but like, so much of it is just that.
1: Yeah. You're saying like, it like it's a bad thing.
2: I I wasn't expecting it when I started watching it.
1: That's the best kind of of breastises.
2: Unexpected breastesses?
1: Unexpected breastesses.
2: It just felt weird because like she was also the character itself was like insane. So like that always adds a weirdness to it for me, but whatever. Um So, Brandon, Yes. Where do you think the story of Bigfoot began if you weren't looking at this paper? <sighs> if so I, I make a
1: point to never read ahead, by the way. Okay. Um and does that, is that a question before or after I read your tweet about the thing? Before. Before, alright. I would have expected the And I, I should to... say
2: Sasquatch. I should say Sasquatch. Because it was Sasquatch before Bigfoot.
1: Okay, so I, I would have thought that Bigfoot originated in the American Southwest sometime in the early 1800s, is my guess.
2: Why, why the American Southwest-
1: because that feels more Squatchy. Really? Yeah.
2: Like, I-, I thought that, like, the Pacific Northwest was, like, very much, like, affiliated with Bigfoot as, like, a concept.
1: I think that's more strongly tied to Bigfoot in my head, but I want to say this, like, mid to Southwest is, like, if I would pick his origin story, like, that's the P- where Peter Parker Bigfoot lives.
2: <laughs> that's not where Peter Parker Bigfoot lives, though. That's not where Uncle Ben. That's not where Uncle Ben Bigfoot was killed. No, no, by uh, by Bigfoot Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> by Bigfoot that, Bone uh, Saw. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, was it Shocker? I, I wait. No, it was. Uh, was it Shocker? I can't remember because like I don't recall. They they retconned it in the third. Sam Raimi movie to be one of the villains from that movie and I just don't remember all the villains in that movie there were so fucking many um (laughs) it's really funny that Topher Grace was uh Venom I what Topher Grace was Venom in that movie he was the he was uh the guy who played Venom the the uh what's the name of Venom's symbiote like host
1: huh I don't know I just know oh gosh my Eddie nephews Brock. have been—that's all they've been talking about for the last oh month and a half—is the new Met Venom movie, and they finally went and saw it.
2: Oh God! So hopefully
1: I can not hear about Venom anymore. But
2: that's not going to happen. That's no. not how it works. You should know that by now. Um, all I
1: know is Christmas shopping so much easier now. Mm-hmm. You just buy them a
2: bunch of Venoms.
1: A lot, so many Venoms. Just buy them Venom. <laughs> There's, or they're all, they're uh, almost uh, puberty, they're so almost... Venoms
2: and Sports Illustrateds in <laughs> Um So Brandon, as the norm with so many American cryptids, we must yes. first discuss the legend and lore of those who were here long before Europeans even realized Americans existed. In the case hey, of Bigfoot, we- Nobody was here before we showed up. Really completely uninhabited. All right, I feel like that goes against one of the core thesis, the core theses of this podcast. Um, the thing that you just said the, what the things that Europeans discovered that everywhere the the things that Europeans are the first to exist everywhere. One. Yeah, that's fair. I've read my history books. History doesn't exist before Europeans show up. <laughs> that's I mean who wrote the books It has to be true. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Chinese had books before the Europeans did, but... False. Um, so, like many cultures the world over, the indigenous people of the Northwest had legends of ogres and cannibalistic giant humanoids, which stalked humanity. So, just as a reminder, like, the Bible has giants in it. Yep. And they were, I think if my memory was correct, sometimes described <laughs> as cannibalistic.
1: So, like I think they were cannibalistic what were they the was it the nephilim was that the uh um...
2: the nephilim explicitly like yeah that's a whole nother like okay so just to remind people like before you think that it's weird that they thought like a a group of people thought like had stories about giants and man eating ogres remember that like the religion that a lot of people were raised in has a lot of shit like that in it. <laughs> yeah, see, so like you, you so, so a lot
1: ex- explicitly Nephilim in the Bible, big giant cannibal things. And then, yeah. if you ever watch the History Channel for more than five minutes, you'll find some guy talking about how the Nephilim were real, mm-hmm. and that's how everything is explained.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's how the pyramids got made the Nephilim, yeah, everything, everything's Nephilim, it's Nephilim all the way down. Um, we should probably do an episode talking about the Nephilim. Anywho, uh, these monsters Market. had bodies covered in stone, utilized talismans, and had very odd weaknesses. So, Brandon, these are three uh, weaknesses that I found in the book. Yeah,
1: They can't swim. That makes sense if you're covered in stone. I find that reasonable.
2: They can't look up.
1: They're much like dogs.
2: They're, they're basically pigs at this point. They're
1: basically pigs.
2: Um, and, of course, they can't look at menstruating women. <laughs>
1: I can't either. I, mean, I get that's it. fair. I get it.
2: It's reasonable. It's reasonable. It's, it's, it's all. Reasonable. It burns
1: the eyes. the the, the mm-hmm. Glo- mm-hmm. It's so, the emits such a bright UV
2: light.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, uterus violence for those of you wondering. <laughs> that is. Um. So Lauren Coleman has the following to say about such tales in Bigfoot: the true story of apes in America, which is. False advertising, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the first Americans acknowledge these hairy races, and their tales come down to us in the records of that ethnographers, folklorists, and anthropologists have preserved and overlooked essays on hairy giant legends and myths. Examining these closely, a pattern begins to more- emerge of Bigfoot revealed. Now, Coleman's take is not entirely unique. Um, many will point to the story of indigenous people that will fit to their own hypothesis, right? But what are the stories that don't? What are the giants that emitted lightning from their fingers? The underwater civilizations in the Sokomish River or uh humanoids with 6-foot long quartz growing out of their big toe?
1: Which yes. I'm sorry so so the first part of um that 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 uh read reminded me of something I saw on one of the reddits where someone yeah. was asking that um should a cryptid be found to be real under what category of science would their study fall into? And that kind of made my brain hurt a little bit because like zoology.
2: Yeah.
1: Someone on our cryptozoology asked why, what, where, if a cryptid was found to be real, where it would fall inside. It would just be zoology. It would just straight up be zoology.
2: Like biology. Uh, why are people people?
1: Uh,
2: like what? I, I feel so upset by that. That statement is upsetting to me. And, there's like, a lot
1: of upsetting things in the crypto it, subreddits.
2: It's it's such a like especially our Bitcoin. Um, but it's such a uh... my neighbor. Sorry.
1: So I work with my neighbor and, um, Mm -hmm. so he was asking me a a lot about cryptocurrency and how it worked and what it was about. And then I was like, why? I was like, you don't even have a cell phone. Like why? Clearly you aren't, you don't care about it. Like you wouldn't, not that he, not that he doesn't care about it, but like, it's so outside of the scope of things that you're going to deal with. Well, but he's heard about it on the news. What? I wish. I wish that's what it was. His kid spent his entire life savings (gasps) on buying Bitcoin from a guy somewhere south. (laughs) Like thousands of dollars. What? And I was like, oh no. So I was like, one, they're like cryptocurrency... Is possibly a legit thing. His kids spent thousands of dollars on bitcoins. So I'd be like, listen, yeah. it's like you're not uh, seeing that. You're not seeing that money again. Yes, cryptocurrency no. is real. You can spend it in specific areas, but you're. Th- he's not seeing that again. <laughs> he's not going to see that again.
2: Oh my god. That shit's
1: just gone.
2: That's why you go to an exchange. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, um, I did. I didn't think too deep because I. I know I'm not asking, if I start asking about wallets and shit, like, I know I'm not going to get a straight answer out of them. Yeah. Oh, oh so now there's, um, now there's a, a teenager that lives mere feet away that I have to be like, all right, so how much did you spend? Do you have a wallet? What's in it? How can we get this back?
2: Amazing. I mean, if, if you sent the money, it's gone.
1: It's gone. It's gone.
2: Yeah. yeah. But um, that's also not related to <laughs> to Bigfoot. Nope. Except except that one time Bigfoot did get caught up in a uh, a Ponzi scheme, lost everything. We everything. did. Back in the nineties, oof, it was a bad time for Bigfoot. Very bad time. The worst. Uh, time. that's that's why he had to. That's why he had to do Harry. Oh wait, Harry and the Hendersons was the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he had it. He it happened to him twice, once in the eighties, so and then he had to do Harry and the Hendersons. It's
1: why he had to keep doing those beef jerky commercials.
2: Hmm. That's also why he's doing the. He did the purple commercials as well. Yes. With his wife and his child. Yeah. Yes. Um. He's just not good with money.
1: <laughs> no, can't no. be trusted.
2: He he. Not only does he have a, is he good at disappearing himself? He's good at disappearing money. Like, real good at it. So good. Um, But, Brandon, it's unlikely that many would use the tales of uh, lightning shooting giants and underwater civilizations uh, as evidence for existence of such creatures. Although I say that, and as I say that, I realize that people have explicitly done that. Yes. So... People have
1: used Atlantis to explain the existence of creatures... Even yeah. though we know the origin of
2: Atlantis, we know for a fact that Atlantis was not. Yeah, okay. All right, never mind. I take that back. Well, but Brandon, many of these tales also describe just individuals, um, okay. such as the Kwakwakaewak ogress, uh, Duzu no um, who has more in common with Baba Yaga than a whole species of cryptid. Basically, oh, uh, right. Duzu no was like a baby eater. Okay. For the most part, like that's like it it literally take Baba Yaga's story and like transpose it to the Pacific Northwest and it's basically yeah. the same concept. Like, I mean there's definitely differences, there's definitely cultural differences, but like if we're talking about the rough like structure of the story, the rough structure of like what's at the core of the story and why the mm-hmm. story is told the way it is, it's very similar, you know. Um and Brandon, much like the Ropen, Mokile Membe, or even Champ. Modern explanations for these stories flatten their context and remove the nuance that made the stories what they were. Now, I'm in no position to express the intent of cultural stories, and I'm certainly not going to accuse them of being based on historical fact. Allegory and symbolism are not a Western creation. They're not? No, no. No? Yeah, like, abstractions of thought through stories, like, is basically being human in human society. Yeah. Like, I I literally don't have anything else to say. It's, it's being a human being. If you can have, if you can tell a story with telling a story is basically just telling symbolism. There's so much symbolism just in an abstract thought and what I'm telling you right now. Someone state that's
1: what oral history is.
2: Yeah. So whatever. But like, like that's, that's kind of the problem. And we've hit this like with nearly every cryptid is when people take things too seriously yeah people have no ability to detect sarcasm and they have no ability to detect uh symbolism no symbolism or just like
1: uh languages like the some for some reason when subtlety one person speaks another language and another person speaks a different one the idea of like metaphor and symbolism is completely lost and like oh this is literal
2: well yeah i mean that's true like that is a problem with, with yeah. translation because like it loses the nuance right yeah you can't you literally can't like unless you have the nuance and the context you can't make assumptions about anything like no. it's usually like it, it's easier to it's more correct to assume is allegorical unless somebody explicitly says, no, this really fucking happened. Yeah. Um, but regardless, as a result, the co-opting of native stories to be some kind of spurious proof of cryptids is just another extension of the imperialism that makes the Wendigo a complete no-go for this topic, this podcast. Um, it's a little less egregious in this case. It's pretty egregious. But at the very least, Bigfoot is not a symbol of Western expansion and colonization. So I'm fine continuing (laughs) with Bigfoot. Um, But Brandon, I don't have to spend any more time this week in how Bigfoot hunters have co-opted Native Legends because I'm not going to do it anymore. I just decided I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, (laughs) You've decided to not scream into the void. Pretty much. Um, Yeah. So, historically speaking, the modern interpretation of the Sasquatch legend begins in the 1920s, British Columbia. John W. Burns was a schoolteacher and a bureaucrat who had collected local legends from the Challahassee Indian Reserve, which is what they were call- they called it at the time. Um, and keep him- keep his uh, occupation in your head, but don't say anything yet. Okay. Now, Allegedly meaning wild slash hairy men, the name Sasquatch is Burns' anglicization of a word from the Halkomelm language, which is unsurprisingly believed to be a mispronunciation.
1: What? So a mispronunciation? Never.
2: Sasquatch is likely a mispronunciation that was anglicized by a school teaching bureaucrat. I
1: don't believe Um, that for a second.
2: So, over the course of three years, Burns gathered tales of the Sasquatch, apparently from eyewitnesses. Now, these eyewitnesses near unilaterally described the Sasquatch as not monsters, but men. In these stories, Sasquatch was not much different than other indigenous people. They used fire, had clothing, and even lived in villages. In fact, the hairy giant portion of their name was referring to their long hair. Like, they had hair down to their waist. Yeah. Um, The Sasquatch of Chahalas lore didn't seem to be so much as monsters, but another tribal group that can be seen in this speech from a leader. Uh, To all who hear now, some white men have seen Sasquatch. Many Indians have seen Sasquatch and spoke to them. Sasquatch still live all around here. Right? So, um, if Sasquatch was... The Sasquatch that we know today, we would have heard more about Sasquatch, is what I'm just going to say, right? Okay. So, the original interpretation of Sasquatch, from my understanding, is completely and utterly different than modern Sasquatch. Like, completely. 100 and, 100% different. Now, to sur- further cement this notion, Burns reported on a Chahalas woman who had spoken to Sasquatches lived among them and had given birth to a baby father, fathered by a Sasquatch. So while okay. these stories are here, stay um, they're from the indigenous people that paint a picture of Sasquatch as more of a group of other people and less yeah. as mystic and monstrous beings. Like, honestly, if you just told me that Sasquatch was the name of a tribe, and read everything off to me, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like if I didn't have the context of, if I didn't have the context of what we now view Bigfoot as, like if, if somebody just read that story to me, I would never make the leap to a cryptid.
1: Yeah, no, that seems almost, um, I don't know if the name of a tribe necessarily, but this tribe's name for a specific group of people living adjacent to them. Yeah, like... Like, these are the Sasquatch people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like... Like... Like, these are the Guidos. (laughs) It's it's basically the same concept. Yeah. To me. Because, like, it's describing, like, a cultural combination of people who Mm -hmm. have certain trends that they follow and things along those lines. Now, Brandon, it is possible, however... And I haven't found anywhere to support these notions, but it is possible that the indigenous people um, of the location in which he was gathering these tales were fucking with him.
1: There's not would not be the first or the last time. I presume that um, we either have (laughs) that we've supposed this or found someone else. Assuming that they're just messing with him.
2: So, Brandon, I want to remind you what his profession was. He was a school teacher and a bureaucrat. Yes. Who operated near a reservation. Which is an important combination in 1920s Canada. Brandon, James W. Burns was something known as an Indian agent a white Uh representative who acted as a liaison between the Canadian government and indigenous communities. The position was established in the Indian Act of 1876, which was explicitly designed to erase First Nations cultures and force them to assimilate into Euro-Canadian culture. James Burns would have literally been acting as an agent of this legislation, and Brandon, he likely played a part... In sending members of that community, he gathered the reports from to residential schools. Now, nobody has reported on his action.
1: Uh, Okay, okay, okay. No, I I follow. He's...
2: (sighs) Yeah, it gets worse when you consider the fact that he's a schoolteacher and a bureaucrat, which means he might have been teaching at the residential schools. Yeah... Like, I don't have any evidence to support this. I don't think anyone's looked into it because, like, honestly, like, consciousness of what happened in residential schools is still, like, in its infancy in a lot of, like, Western culture. And, like, people kind of ignored it for a long time. And, like, we're only now, like, starting to realize – like, we're only now realizing things – because, well, white people are only now starting to realize things because white people are slow when it comes to realizing anything about race. Which is yeah. just a fact. Real slow. Like, we're real bad at it. Like, as a group, we're terrible at it. Individual people could be good. But the group? <sighs> oh, there are so many bad... There are so many of us <laughs> who are bad at it. Um, But Brandon? Oh, so he
1: he is one of presumably a number of people given positions under that legislation that would function. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a key position Uh of, like... he. What am I even trying... I don't even know what I'm trying to say. He... He is the person that, in his position, the indigenous peoples would have to, like, try to work him in order to... Uh, advance their position is not the right word, but be... He's the person I mean, they need to convince to be less fucked by things,
2: yes, he's in a, a a complete position of power over these people, like yeah, bar none. like there's no like there's no other way to put it. He is in a position of power in relation to these people, right like it's just a statement of fact. um there is a power imbalance, there's a power dynamic here that's important to recognize um and there's like a weird, strange irony. In that, in the process of erasing the culture of the Chahalas people, Burns sought to preserve it through stories of the Sasquatch. And when I say preserve it, I do that in as big of air quotes as I possibly can. You're really
1: working those fingers.
2: Like, I'm really working them fingers. Because, like, the obvious way to preserve a culture would be not to fucking erase it in the first place. But that's a whole other fucking thing.
1: We have this weird thing where preservation means to, like... You're, you're erasing it but leaving like that shadow on the whiteboard where you'd have to go over it a second time
2: <laughs> but like you leave the shadow yeah you
1: leave the shadow that's,
2: that's basically what he's doing yeah now however, Burns' preservation attempt as we said is a cruel appoli- cruel application of imperialistic thought steeped in an irony he is unlikely to have recognized It stands to reason therefore Brandon. That the Chalice could have been messing with James Byrne as an exact act of resilience against a cruel reality. Now, oh, yeah. the actual intent and context of these stories, however, has been lost to time completely. But Brandon, like, and not only that, he co- they could have been fucking with him, but also the stories they were telling him were not stories of monsters. Like no, like I want to, I want to like layer this in two ways because like one this is very much a thing that could have been a thing because, like, um, the only reason I I think this is because, like, there isn't an officially recognized, like, Sasquatch tribe or Sasquatch people, um, historically speaking. But, like, that also could be a result of the Indian Act of 1876. And then, like, so, like, there's a part of me that's wondering, like, oh, were they coming up with a fake, name like a fake tribal name for the sake of fucking with him but like also they could have been literally telling the truth about a certain group and like but like regardless it's not a monster they're not describing a race of monsters no matter what their story is it's not a race of monsters the origin of sasquatch is not monstrous in any way shape or form like bar like Nothing. Nothing about it, whatsoever, is monstrous. And like it's the way that it progresses, Brandon is mind boggling. Is all that's crazy? Because
1: at at this point, the 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 oral oral uh, uh, recount from people at the time is just that they're dudes with long hair,
2: basically dudes and 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 ladies. Dudes 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 and ladies.
1: Dudes and ladies, they're, they're A people that just grow their hair out. And we know mm-hmm. that in modern day, yep. there are just groups hip-tees. of people for, like, uh, social, political, or religious regions just grow their hair.
2: Yeah. Like...
1: Yeah, so it's... There's nothing crazy being spoken so far.
2: So, like, like, let me just say, already... History of Bigfoot, not looking great. No. In terms of him, like, having a historic... In terms of Bigfoot having a historical basis in any way, shape, or form, or, like, any kind of evidentiary support, not great. No. Not great. Not great. Um. So, regardless of the origin, Burns' tellings of these legends were are clearly not the modern Bigfoot, as we've said. Like, it's not a monster. Like, full stop right and like sasquatch as a term as the, in concept didn't gain traction until nearly 30 years later like i looked hmm. up the engrams on google which is yeah. you can look up how often words appear in books and like prior to 1950 there's like nothing in terms huh. of bigfoot like it's like i think it's like on the order of like 300 to 1000 which strictly speaking, in terms of references and mentions of the word Sasquatch, not that much. No. Right? Like, um, and, like, it's totally unsurprising because it's a regional, like, bunch of storytelling recorded by an individual who has no real renown prior to the crypt- cryptozoological boom of the succeeding half century. So, like, it's, there's, like, it doesn't take off like Nessie, it doesn't take off like chupacabra, right? When it is, it, it's at its inception point. It doesn't like spread like wildfire. It takes a whole three decades to reach the point where it actually starts to do something. And Brandon, if it were not for the town of Harrison Hot Springs, British Columbia in 1957, Sasquatch would have likely languished in obscurity. And I want to point okay. out that this is close to where he was like doing the original gathering and all that stuff. Okay. um Of all the information,
1: before so before we continue, let me pee because we're fifty-two minutes
2: in. Fifty-two. P P P P P P. We're not even a Bye. third of the way done with this. I
1: know. Episode. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, cow, cow. I, I Then I saw how far in, I was like, yeah, "Let's go."
2: Um, I'm gonna have. I now have to go to the bathroom too. I'll be right. That's back.
1: fine. <laughs> That's fine by me.
0: Oh
2: my god. <laughs> oh man, that was bad. My body just decided, hey, guess what?
1: <laughs> oh, one of those?
2: Yeah, Your it was body has to let those. you know what's going on. <laughs> Well, like, I was sitting here as you were gone, and, like, I'm reading, like, my emails and, like, looking at any stuff that I had, like, notifications for, and, like, as I see you come onto the screen, I'm just like, oh, no, I'm never going to finish this episode if I don't (laughs) go now. Fair. Um,
0: All
2: right, so I'm going to start it again from... uh, (laughs)
1: From the top. All right, so
2: let's see. I'll start it from uh, the top of the. I'll start it from the top of this section, maybe, or uh, uh, no. I'll start it from this. I'll start from this paragraph. The uh, oh yeah,
1: no, we're good. I got yeah. some really good after the credits, uh, uh stuff. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I played oh, some no. poop music.
2: <laughs> Regardless of origin, Burns' tellings of these legends are clearly not the modern Bigfoot even taken as literal, that iteration of Sasquatch is honestly less monstrous than some confirmed humans I know. For facts.
1: That's fair.
2: Like, I personally know humans who are more monstrous than that Bigfoot version. Um, Sasquatch as a term and concept really didn't gain traction until nearly 30 years later. And I mentioned this before that there was, like, a lot of engram data that is, like, It it, it indicates that, like, before 1950, like, Sasquatch as a term is basically, like, for all intents and purposes, non-existent. Um, It exists, but, like, not in a scale that is even remotely, like, like, prolific for the 30 years that it represents. Um, Now, if it weren't for the sake, if it weren't for the fact that the town of Harrison's Hot Springs, British Columbia, which is Pacific Northwest... Um, it's Western Cal- Canada, uh, in 1957, that's,
1: <sighs> it's North of Washington. I had to Google it. Cause uh, BC North yeah, of it, Washington,
2: it's, it's North of Washington. And if, if they hadn't in 1957 done something, Sasquatch probably would have languished in obscurity and might've just disappeared. If I'm going to be completely honest. Um, in celebration of the centennial of British British Columbia, the provincial government put up 600 Canadian dollars, which is about $888 in today's money, um, in funding for towns that could propose a project suitable for the, pro- the celebration.
1: So the government put up less than a grand for the settlement of towns?
2: No, 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 no. Not for the settlement of towns, like if you made a project in celebration of the centennial.
1: Oh, got, gotcha. then you would receive
2: yeah. uh, $800. You would, re- receive less than a, you would receive less than $1,000, yes. Okay. Um, Harrison Hot Springs decided to fund a Sasquatch hunt, dusting the then-anemic local legend off for the celebration. <laughs> That's,
1: okay. <again, laughs> just happened not that long ago.
2: <laughs> which Which one?
1: I mean, they didn't host a Bigfoot hunt, but you can ob- obtain your Bigfoot hunting license from...
2: True, true.
1: ...that was... It, not Wisconsin. One of them north, middle, there, no- east... It's one of them but, states
2: that I always forget. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so the proposal itself, Brandon, was denied. But it's okay. unlikely, in my opinion, that the town ever thought it would have been a, like a serious proposal... What did happen, Brandon, rather than a bid for a small sum of money, it was a bid for publicity. Words spread to Canada, papers across Canada, placing the town's unique bid on the front page. The story then extended past Canada as far as India and New Zealand as free oh marketing for a potential, oh. free marketing for a potential tourist destination. That- like, I
1: cannot Okay what oh, hang on scroll scroll what year is this 1957 This just happened last year by like right nearby exactly that place specifically to bring in tourism
2: Mhm mhm mm-hmm. Sasquatch is a real tourism draw like barnon Um the resort and restaurant industry of this town in response to this publicity. Good. It was further bolstered when British Columbia's Centennial Committee offered a $5,000 reward for those who could deliver a Sasquatch without kidnapping it. That's that's important. They without did specify... Kid- so,
1: so it had to be murder. That That's what they mean. You get five grand, but only if it's dead.
2: <laughs> no, no. You had to, like... It had to willingly come with you. Basically. Okay, not... So I, they... Okay, okay. Because also, Brandon, keep in mind, Sasquatch is not monstrous at this point.
1: Sasquatch is not monstrous. If I learned anything from your um, uh, 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 Ostman episode, um, Sasquatch addicted to tobacco. So if you just had a can of snuff, you could lure it, <laughs> that so, Sasquatch right I mean, to you.
2: So most likely, apocryphally, uh, Albert Ostman's story is before this point in time.
1: Yeah. But so people would know sure... that you could pay Bigfoot for sex no. with tobacco well, and lure him back to town for five G's.
2: Well, here's the thing though, Brandon, like, no, is that's, that's not because like, if my memory correct was correct to the story, he didn't like give a sworn statement for that until years after the fact, because you know, he probably <laughs> didn't, he probably, it probably didn't happen. It probably didn't happen. Um, so, Sasquatch hunters emerged who would continue to hunt the creature for the remainder of their lives. Like, people who became, like, lifelong Sasquatch hunters became Sasquatch hunters because of this publicity stunt. Oh, good. And likewise, the first hoaxters emerged on the scene almost instantly. Because, of course. Now, yeah. Although uh, accidents had foiled their attempt to use plywood footprints to fabricate tracks, people began to believe that the Sasquatch was an actual species of creature and something that John Burns something that John Burns actually rejected publicly amidst the Sasquatch fever uh, asserting that they were just large humans of Salish descent. So John Burns is like you guys are fucking idiots. Salish is a, Celeste is a, uh, is a tribal group in British Columbia. Oh okay. Just for reference. I saw you highlight. You
1: saw me copy and paste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, so like John Burns, the person who's like the originator of the story, is like, yeah, shut up, you fucking idiots. It's not a monster. And I kind of, as much as I don't like John Burns as a person, there's something very funny about that to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, excluding the apocryphal, uh, most likely apocryphal Albert Osman kidnapping case, which was uh, episode 81 of this very podcast. Kitty. Um, <laughs> cats interrupt the podcast a lot. Frequently. Has, has, uh, uh, in the 100 episodes, cats have interrupted quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, quite They're a bit. They're
1: professionals. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: So the first sighting of a Sasquatch by a white person occurred in 1955 when William Rowe, saw and reported an encounter an encounter in a sworn statement with a now myth- mythical beast hiking in the Fraser Valley one afternoon. <clears throat> My first impression was of a huge man, about six feet tall, almost three feet wide, and probably weighing between somewhere near three hundred pounds. It uh, was covered from Okay,
1: head... so so before the three like six foot uh three feet wide about average that's nothing crazy. Three hundred pounds is um, de- girthy for that height. Uh,
2: I'm like, so here's the thing: I can't imagine ever in my life being able to look at something and guess how much it weighed.
1: No, so I'm just height. Over, height he- I can do height about yeah,
2: but but weight I can't look at someone and be like, I know how heavy you are.
1: There's, unless they're the same height as me, I can't I can't guess weight. I can't um, even do that. Six foot three that. feet. That that's about um, my height and width, shoulder to shoulder. So three bills is uh, that that's if I gained an extra like 70, 80 pounds. It's a lot. So that yeah that that's at my current weight. So that that that's uh like a, a
2: meaty a meaty thing.
1: A dad bod. Yeah. Well so Bigfoot's got dad bod.
2: Well we're about to get it. it's not dad bod, it's more mom bod. Uh, um oh, so,
1: Okay, I like this better. It was covered
2: from head Big to Bigfoot thick. Bigfoot thick though. Um it was covered from head to foot with dark brown silver tipped hair. But as it came closer, I saw its breasts—that it uh-huh. fe- by its breasts—that it was female. The arms were much thicker than a man's arms and longer, reaching almost to its knees. Oh, its feet throw me broader. around! God damn it, Brandon! Are you? What are you doing? What are you <laughs> doing? Why are you sexualizing Sasquatch? Nothing. Well, you're not the first. But climb, why you could
1: climb her like a tree? <laughs> <laughs> i'll
2: show her a disappearing act
1: oh yeah that's right
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh god i don't
1: even remember um yeah i'll bust out, out that or... tire swing
2: oh no god damn it <laughs> <laughs> it's seat were broader proportionally than a man's about five inches wide at the front tapering to much thinner heels sturdy when it walked god damn it when it wa- <laughs> dirty feet mm, step on me
0: <laughs> when
2: it walked it placed the heels of its foot down first lick them and toes and i could see oh god brandon i am never going to be able to get through this if we keep sexualizing <laughs> bigfoot <sighs> um, see the gray, brown skin or hide on the soles of its feet. The chin protr- protruded farther than its nose, uh, but the hair that covered it, uh, leaving bare only the parts of the face around the mouth, nose, and ears, made it resemble an animal as much as a human. None of this hair, even that on the back of a head, was longer than an inch, and its neck was also inhuman, thicker and shorter than any man's I'd ever seen. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So. When Roe saw the creature, it was about 20 feet away and eating leaves with white, even teeth. Upon scenting Roe, the creature got up, walked away, and looked over its shoulder at Roe as it left the area. Now, Brandon, Roe's Sasquatch is literally the linchpin of the modern conception of the Sasquatch. Like, the way we view Sasquatch right now is literally word for word...
1: It's the same description. This, description.
2: this description is literally how we view Sasquatch, right? Like, in no uncertain terms. His description is literally the typifier of all Sasquatch descriptions ever since, and even the supposed mannerisms, the heel foot walking, looking over the shoulder, shoulders at the witness, which originate both of those originate in the story. Moreover, previous sightings in the Fraser Valley describe Sasquatch as fundamentally human, with none of the ape-like trappings described by Roe. In no uncertain terms, Brandon, this should be the most research sighting in the history of Sasquatch lore, because it literally is the, like, origin point of the modern conception of Sasquatch.
1: And I've never heard of it before.
2: <laughs> At all. Hilariously, that is the case. Like, well, I did mention it once on this podcast, I think, maybe. In, like, a breath. But it is super unresearched, and I'm going to get into why it hasn't been researched.
1: That So, so my present knowledge of Bigfoot is that the Patterson-Gimlin film is, like, the first ever popular Bigfoot anything. And then from there, moving backwards, the next closest thing is, like, um, Native American um, paintings of bears.
2: I mean, I wouldn't even consider the Native American paintings of bears to be remotely related to that. That's more of the cultural appropriation bullshit. That Big yeah, Hunters that, well, that, do. that's what we get. That, yeah. That's
1: again, like going back, like the History Channel. Like there's the Patterson yeah. gimlin film and moving back, they're like, of course Bigfoot's real. It's been here forever. Look at these paintings of bears, and then you go, yeah. there's the, and then you go, the indigenous people are saying that's just a bear or bear spirit in their culture, and then we're like, nah, dog, that's Bigfoot.
2: Yeah. Because, fuck you. You don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Um, so, but, like, in fact, Brandon, the Patterson-Gimlin film was a decade after this this description <laughs> happened. A full decade. Yeah. So, Sasquatch hunters were aware of this story. Okay? I want to be very clear about this. People interested in Sasquatch, people who researched Sasquatch, people who read about Sasquatch, knew about this story. Okay? this story is effectively like if it's true it's everything right if it's false this story being false basically falsifies the conception of Bigfoot as a modern like thing like yeah that's how important this story is and probably part of the reason why nobody knows about Because if something's wrong with this story, something's wrong with literally every story that follows. All of the things. Because they all match this description. And every story before this story is a human. Except for the apocryphal stories that are different. Um, Yeah. So William Rowe gave his sworn statement in 1957 alleging the event had occurred two years earlier. There exists no additional interviews with William Rowe. No meaningful supplementary data on his life, nor contemporary collaborations from 1955 that indicate that Roe had seen the creature. John Green, a pro-Bigfoot researcher, not the young adult author, think more, <laughs> think less fault in our stars and more fault in our Nords, Okay, um, had been the one to reach out to Roe and get the sworn statement via correspondence after hearing about the encounter during the newspaper. The alleged newspaper article has never been found because John Green has no records of this paper that he found this in. Daniel Loxton puts it best. For all its influence, the Roe case is ultimately a story told by an unknown figure for unknown reasons under unknown circumstances.
1: Perfect. Perfect, perfect.
2: It's literally the modern, like, it is the thing that modern Sasquatch, modern Figfoot hinges on. Without this one thing, everything else falls apart, and it's, like, the shakiest story. One of the shakiest stories that I'm going to talk about in this episode.
1: Yeah, the, the foundation is built on sand that questionably exists.
2: Yeah, like like we assume that they, like people assume there's sand there. That's yeah. how it is. Like it, it's, it, it's like when you build in a like survival game and you build on top of nothing and it's just is, like hanging out there. Yeah. Or it, it more, more specifically, it's like in Valheim when you're building a build like a bridge <laughs> and you're like, uh-huh. I think this will hold. And then it crashes. That's basically what this is. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out we literally don't even know what William Rowe looks like. There's no surviving photos of him.
1: Even better, all right, so we should go out like William Ho, William Rowe hunting.
2: I mean, honestly, like like it'd be about the same as Sasquatch hunting.
1: We could go looking for the spirit of William Rowe to fill us in on the original Bigfoot. If that's so, not a sci-fi or, or National Geographic show, I don't know what is.
2: Uh, I think there's a. I think that there is a uh, a documentary called "The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Killed the Bigfoot." I think it might be in that. I could be wrong. Stalin. The man who killed Hitler was Hitler. But I mean, yeah. Um. No, it's the name of a movie. Technically. <laughs> yeah. Um. So until this point the term Bigfoot hadn't been used, even though I've been throwing it around willy-nilly. In fact, the only discussion of foot size occurred in William Rowe's account. On October 5th, 1958, a Northern California newspaper, um, Bigfoot, in a Northern California newspaper, Bigfoot was born. In cryptozoology A to Z, Lauren Coleman introduces Jerry Cruz, the man whose encounter (laughs) spawned the now famous monster in the Humboldt Times as follows.
1: Terry Cruz's older brother,
2: I also loved times, deodorant. <laughs> do you know how many times I nearly spelt Terry Crews while writing this? Probably section? so many, so many, so many. I kept thinking it was Terry Crews as I was like thinking about <laughs> this, um, and I just like kept getting confused. So, the first use of the now widely used label did not occur until a quiet church showing construction worker named Jerry Crew appeared at a Northern California newspaper office with a plaster cast of one of many large hominid footprints he had found in the mud in Bluff Creek. Bluff Creek is, like... Like... Bluff Creek is where this story takes place in the Patterson-Gimlet... It's near where There's, the Patterson-Gimlet and is. And it's it not
1: foreshadowing at all.
2: Yeah. Um. So since we started the show a hundred episodes ago, my personal estimation of Lauren Coleman has really, really plummeted. Um, his introduction to Jerry crew is manipulative as fuck. Like (laughs) it's using a bunch of like things to paint him in a positive light. Like, Oh, he would never, never hoax anything or like anything be wrong. And like, honestly, Jerry crew probably wasn't the one who hoaxed it. Uh, because he worked for one of the most prolific Bigfoot hoaxes oh, in history, no. Raymond Wallace.
1: Oh, good, fantastic.
2: So, um, Jerry Crew uh, had seen some unusual, something unusual, some unusual footprints while clearing some brush near a Raymond Wallace-owned construction site in the August of 1958. Crew had assumed it was a prank, particularly one carried out by his boss. Raymond Wallace. Everyone, in fact, believed that it was a prank <laughs> carried out by Raymond Wallace. Everyone, all of the people who were in the crew thought, oh, this is a prank. He's fucking with us. Yeah. The footprints then dried up in the following month, reappearing after Wallace had returned from a business trip. On October 3rd, 1958, Cruz took the plaster cast and brought it to the newspaper, commenting on committing cementing Bigfoot in the zeitgeist of the 20th century through plaster. Uh, Wallace was immediately suspicious of the community in the community with the sheriff's office even asking him to come in and explain the joke. That I is shit you not.
1: By the way, 63 years and 1 day before the airing of this very episode.
2: Uh, we'd be it would be Yeah, 63 years in one day. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Huh. How about that? How about that? How about... That's that's almost perfect. That's (laughs) almost perfect. We're we're recording a day before the 63-year anniversary of that event. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Okay. Um, Wallace ultimately denied he was responsible, but in 2002, he died. And Brandon... His family okay. unveiled one of the sets of strap-on wooden feet that he had used for hoaxing bigfoot tracks one <laughs> now one, one foot, of the many <laughs> yes that foot doesn't match the crews ca- the crew cast it does match other tracks that were in and around the same area at the same time okay and' Unsurprising. Now Brandon, <laughs> yeah Brandon I want to point out and you should you probably know this. You can make more than one set of fake feet. Oh, yeah. Like, you can do that. That's possible. Now,
1: you you can make fake feet also from the same methods used to cast footprints by mm -hmm. casting them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Some mm -hmm. would say you could do it really easily and cheaply and quickly. He used
2: plywood, though. He put I a mean, little more effort into it.
1: Plywood now is a little bit higher in price, but it's falling.
2: Yeah, but he put a little effort into it. Like, he had to carve it.
1: I mean, um, did they have jigsaws? They had to have jigsaws. <laughs> it's not like he I was mean, out but, there with, like, a handsaw well, well, or but, a jeweler's like, there saw. Is,
2: there is, like, the impression, like, of, of like, not just flat things. Like, you probably, he probably sanded off the edges is my guess. You could do that in a
1: day it. with a chisel. I, I, I have guitars that i felt You could do that with a chisel in a day.
2: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: Um, I'm not saying it's not work. I'm just saying it's not
2: a lot of work. <laughs> no, and especially if it's somebody who had also been exposed as a Bigfoot hoaxer in his lifetime. Yeah. In 1960, he claimed to have captured a Bigfoot offering to sell the creature who only ate 100-pound bags of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes for $1 million to Bigfoot researchers. Oh, boy. Moreover, the corroborating stories came from Wallace's brother, and all of the sightings and experience at the time were reported by Wallace's workers. I'm not going to say that... I'm not going to say that, like, it necessarily means that he hoaxed it. I'm just going to say it's pretty... Uh, there's a lot. There's a preponderance of circumstantial evidence that indicates it's... that he pokes that particular pit print.
1: And I'm not saying Bigfoot is a serial masturbator, but if we know anything about Kellogg's, the only reason you would give a Bigfoot that much of Kellogg's cereal is to keep him from masturbating all the time.
2: To be, to be fair, it's Frosted Flakes.
1: It was John Kellogg's brother. Yeah, that it was, was is after brother. they diverged.
2: They're not, that's not the, the that's not the anti-masturbation anti-masturb- one. If anything, that just exacerbates masturbation.
1: That's <laughs> It's that sugar rush.
2: Honestly, he might have been, he might have been, uh, harvesting Bigfoot, Bigfoot
1: seed. seed. Uh.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's how you grow Bigfoot footprints. That's how you
1: grow Bigfoot, uh.
2: Um, so, despite the fact that there is a strong implication, and when I say strong, I mean like... It's so like close to obviously being the case, like that it's ridiculous to even consider another reality in this particular one. Because, like, there would be other stories that might be more in, more likely. Like, if there were other stories that were more likely, I wouldn't latch onto this one. But, Brandon, yeah. there is a problem. You, do you um, say... Yeah. So the ho the if the basically two Bigfoot researchers, the Bluff Creek tracks are considered canonical and holy, effectively, as John Green notes. The tracks that were discovered in the Bluff Creek drainage in northern California in the nineteen fifties are not just another set of tracks that can be easily set aside as something tainted by claims of fakery, while other tracks are still presumed to be genuine. They are the base layer of the bedrock on which this whole investigation is founded. More simply, Brandon, if the big if the Bluff Creek tracks are hoaxes, Bigfoot likely doesn't exist as well. Mm. Because this is the first instance of Bigfoot footprints being found. Right? Yeah, we're on like, an awfully
1: shaky foundation.
2: Yeah. So for this reason, despite acknowledging that Raymond Wallace was a prankster, Lauren Coleman will not concede the fact that the Bluff Creek tracks were his handiwork. Likewise, Raymond Wallace is avoided at all costs in the writings of pro Bigfoot researchers. Examining his role in the event, cast a pall over one of the, the, the already shaky pillars of the existence of Bigfoot. In hand-waving the footprints as an axiom of their belief, such researchers can avoid recognizing a structural weakness in the metaphorical house that is the existence of Bigfoot. Now, yeah. Brandon...
1: They can never acknowledge those prints <laughs> as a fake because that that's the foundation well, that all of modern cryptozoology is based on. So if those are ever in question, everyone's, like, like source of income is at risk.
2: Like... Bigfoot, like, so much of, like, so much of the notion of a belief in an actual Bigfoot is, like, based on these two really, really sketchy stories. They are yeah. not compelled, like, in terms of, like, I can't say, like, obviously because of the way that proving a null hypo like, you can't prove, you can't prove the null hypothesis, right? So, like, I can't prove that it didn't happen, right? Or that Bigfoot doesn't exist. Yeah. But I can say that, like, if we're applying Occam's razor, those two stories are likely fake. Oh, yeah. Or, like, like just... Occam's razor says that, like, oh, they fabricate... Like, the first dude fabricated it for the sake of the publicity... Because of the publicity of everything, and he wanted to get, like... Notori- like you want to get noticed right whether it was yeah. successful or not is another question but like that would be the motivation there yeah the second sighting the, the, the footprint sightings um that was just a if, if that was fake that's just a dude fucking with people and like we see that time and time and time again it's like one of the most common things in human history people like to fuck with other people
1: it's um I can attest to that it's so yes. much fun, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, so much fun. I think there's evidence of that on this very podcast. There is much, much evidence of that happening. <laughs> um, so Brandon, I I think the thing that sets Bigfoot apart, though, and like the reason why these shaky stories, which are really foundational belief, like to the belief of Bigfoot, um are not, like, mitigated. Like, the the, the shakiness of their their stories is mitigated because of the Patterson-Gimlin film film. Now... Okay. Despite the importance of the preceding tales, the current form of Bigfoot, most can't immediately conjure the image of Bloodpoo Tracks nor a full description of Rose Sasquatch. Like, they don't know the story. They don't know either of those stories. They might know what a plaster cast looks like. They might know... The modern conception of Bigfoot But they don't Like most people will Like if you say those names to people They won't know it But Mm -hmm. The events of October 20th 1967 however Are absolutely seared in the public consciousness As Robert Roger Patterson and Bob Giblin Went into the Went to the Bluff Creek in Northern California To film Bigfoot And I want to point out They went To film Bigfoot That's important that was the okay. reason they went to Bluff Creek. They didn't. They weren't going on a camping trip. They were going to film Bigfoot. Okay. So the footage was ca- captured by a handheld 16-millimeter camera and consists of 954 frames lasting 60 seconds, depicting a supposed female Bigfoot walking left to right across a creek bed, and then there's a cut, and the Bigfoot is walking away from the camera. Um, the recording occurred after the two men had been on horseback in the Six Rivers National Forest rounded a bend seeing a large hair-covered animal next to the creek. Patterson's horse reared and threw him. Somehow, Patterson was able to get back up, retrieve his camera from the bag, and film the creature. Very little very little footage is as hotly disputed and as analyzed in the history of film, with the, the Zap Bruder film and the moon landing perhaps being the only peers to the Bigfoot. Uh like footage like yeah specific footage there's events that like people have looked at a bunch of angles from but like in terms of like strips of film that people have analyzed those are like the holy trinity of strips of film that people have analyzed yeah for conspiracy thought at the very least now while you've likely seen the film before brandon um i do want you to look at Watch the let's watch the film again together. Okay. Um, so I have a link to I found a copy of the un like cropped version of it. Um, but uncropped, you mean like
1: unstabilized on? Un... Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: So I'm gonna I'm gonna post this in our our chat. So it's 57 seconds total. Um, okay. So um this is this this particular recording comes from a national geographic thing and i'll have it in the show notes um damn it i should have copied this into my clipboard before this <laughs> my computer sucks uh boop okay so um all right well i i do want to like remind people there's no audio because it's a 16 yep. millimeter camera, um, there was no audio on a 16 millimeter camera, or at least the 16 millimeter camera that was being used. Um, there was no way of recording an audio track to the film, right? Um, so, like, no like VHS style stuff happening here. So, I don't know how long it's been since you saw the footage, Brandon. But it's like,
1: been a while. So the thing. That I'll let it keep playing before I uh, start it mm-hmm. over again. Um, the thing I immediately noticed right now is that the, the 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 person holding the camera, actually, they're running forward for some mm-hmm. distance pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I want to um start, because at first it just looks like a shaky whatever, but mm-hmm. then if you just... No, they're running. pants into the yeah. ground. Someone's sprinting full speed at a Bigfoot. <laughs>
2: And the Bigfoot is like, I want to point out the Bigfoot is barely moving. Bigfoot don't give a fuck. It looks at him and it walks slowly away. Right? Um, It's actually like much darker than I thought it was. Like a lot of the the images that were like are famous in regards to this story are like kind of cleaned up, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is much shakier than i remember but i think that's because most of the reproductions of it are zoomed or stabilized right yeah and second the most famous scene begins at the 27 mark 27 second mark and lasts about 10 seconds and then followed by a rarely shown clip of patterson running to where the creature had been right so like the the jump at the end of it like i have I've only seen that a handful of times. It's not even like in my mind when I think of it. Cause I'm thinking about the 10 seconds of the, thir- the 57 seconds, not yeah. everything else. Um, now I personally don't believe that this footage is authentic. I'm yeah. going to get into part of the reasons why I think that, but Daniel Loxton's take is probably the most correct. Okay. no one knows for a fact whether this film is a real Sasquatch or a man in a gorilla suit and that's that's facts we literally don't know it's a, if it's a Sasquatch even if it is real we don't have any live or dead Sasquatch to compare it to likewise we don't have the hoaxing tool nor a confession from either of the potential perpetrators of the hoax so like Occam's Razor says it's probably not a real Bigfoot but, I'm
1: trying to remember. So I think that um, the guy who who. Uh, the guy who who wore and built, somebody claims to have worn and built that costume. Yeah. I think his name was like Bob, some. Yeah,
2: Bob. there there is. I'm not. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail because I might do a full episode on. Yeah. Um, it, the Patterson Gimlin film.
1: Bob uh, Hieronymus, I think, is a yeah. yeah, yeah that is, that by the, the Google. That is the
2: name. Yeah. Um. So I'm not going to go into that because I want to read the book that that comes out in. Um, Okay. That's not, like, so that might be the case, but, like, once again, we don't.
1: Oh, I don't know how true that is. It is possible that something this famous somebody could claim for publicity to, like, sell a book or
2: whatever. It's one of those things where it's, like, it's hard to make any real serious calls on this. And, like, not because, like, oh, I think Bigfoot might be real. It's more yeah. because, like, if we're operating under the true precepts of of skepticism, like, I can't say for certain, okay. but I can give you a good approximation of why I think it's fake. So, Brandon, literal books have been written about this film. This 57 seconds. <laughs> this 954 <laughs> frames. Full books, careers have been made on this 57 seconds of film.
1: I believe while you were uh, writing this, you texted me that there was a podcast that got how many hours of content out of this Uh, 50
2: second footage? 13 hours, if my my calculations were right, it was like 13 (laughs) hours of content. And I was just like, I literally don't know how they got 13 hours out of it. 13 hours of 50 seconds, okay it's it's like there's a lot you can talk about it's preposterous, it, but talking about explicitly the film like there's not thirteen hours to talk about this film, in my opinion, but i I also like I don't have a strong desire to do anything about it, right, because I don't care and, yeah. like. it's easier to assume that it's not real and just, like... Because, like, if it was real, that would be important. But, like, also, like, the fact that we haven't seen other, like, Bigfoot in, like, a real way, in a meaningful way... Yeah. Like, it's one of those things that, like... If this is the case, there's not a surviving, like, population... Right, there's no. not a way for there to be like a, a population that can survive, just given the number of people who live in those types of areas. Given the fact that there's satellite footage, the fact that there's um, cities everywhere, like <coughs> if 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 we crouch on any kind of wildlife, they're going to show up in towns, right? Like, yeah, it would happen eventually. So that's a whole thing. Um, but Brandon. This film is totally different things to different people. Even people with the same general beliefs. Not only skeptics question the authenticity of this film, but believers in physical Bigfoot do as well. And, Brandon, things get more complicated because we, uh, the recording speed of the original footage mm-hmm. is completely unknown. We huh. don't know what speed the camera was at at the beginning, uh, when this was happening. Because yeah. the camera that he was using, and I'll get into the, I'll, I'll get into to why that's a big, why we don't know that in a second, um, and that's honestly a critical factor in determining the nature of the creature's movements. Because one person says if this was at twenty four frames per second, a human could absolutely do this, in terms of yeah. movements, and then other people are like, well, a human couldn't do that, but they're operating under the assumption that it's a different frame rate. Like I think it was eighteen frames per second. Was that operating? Oh, okay, but like. That is actually a very fair point. That is a huge, hugely important. Because, like, think about the way that, that, like, kung fu movies are shot. They, they speed up the frame rate to make it look more frenetic or yeah. slow things down. You know, like, it's a thing to change the, like, notion of stuff. So, as Loxton notes, the film cannot stand on its own, either for or against its authenticity. It's an amorphous blob, a Rorschach test, even that can be shaped to fit a narrative. In the absence of per- perfect authentication of the raw data, the best we can do is examine the circumstances surrounding the film, namely the character of Roger Patterson. So I don't know how much you know about Roger Patterson, um, mm-hmm. but the way that the the way that he's described in Abominable Science, like their introduction to him. Yeah. Is pretty great. So he's that both Rob Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin were cowboys, right? Um mm-hmm. and Roger Patterson was described as no angel, a slap cash kind of guy you shouldn't do business with. And he had a used carsman salesman type personality. So, um and that was from the people who defend him. Not hoaxing the film, like yeah, people will say that about him, right? And now, given the amorphous qualities of the film's subject, uh, Greg Long decided to instead look at the man behind the camera. A study of Patterson's life, interviewing friends and family members, painted the picture of an artistic hustler with dreams of scoring big, which is kind of relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, Patterson's life was characterized by His commitment to show business and doing work from ranging from rodeo work to inventor and Bigfoot sculptor, as well as writer. Moreover, Patterson had been trying to break into Hollywood even before the film had been recorded. Likewise, he was a known fraudster and had ripped off every person he had ever met, including friends and family. So, really, really uh, trustworthy fellow we're dealing with. Now, Patterson's character is shaky at best, but the circumstances around the film also don't really pass a sniff test. Patterson, who had already written about Bigfoot, he had already written about Bigfoot. I don't know how much I can stress this. He had written about Bigfoot before this. Um, And just very important to know that this man was aware of Bigfoot. Yes. He went to the Six Rivers National Forest with, the, once again, the express intention to capture Bigfoot on film. Not only did he succeed on his first attempt, but he did so with a 16 millimeter camera that only accepted a 100 foot spool of 16 millimeter film. I looked it up. At 16 frames per second, this is only about four minutes of film, less if being filmed at 24 frames per second very important
1: so a quick like, interjection about um film speed and your human ability to move and all that um yeah. so the difference the percent change from um 16 to 24 is fi- is 50 percent right so you're talking about a a delta of half like mm-hmm. someone's moving basically twice as fast as a human or exactly the speed of, of a human. That that's the percent change between sixteen and well, twenty four. It's
2: not quite hat. It's not quite twice. It's one point five times as fast. fast.
1: Yeah. yeah. And if we're talking yeah. eighteen to twenty four, then we're talking thirty three and a third percent.
2: Yeah. So so it's it's significant. Like it's ex- delta, it's very significant. The delta is very important. Knowing the frame rate something is filmed at is essential. Yeah. Right. Because that tells you exactly how fast you should play it back and now i want to remind people 24 frames per second is like television cinema things along those lines like yeah traditional film is usually at 24 frames per second except the like hobbit the actors and stuff like that what did they do was the hobbit at a uh, hobbit 60? was like
1: something i forget people oh yeah they did some yeah.
2: weird shit yeah okay yeah no i remember that now now since this footage brandon there haven't been any videos of bigfoot matching the impact of the patterson gimlin film a fact made more glaring given the thousands of hours of video being produced just for a single bigfoot hunting episode on shows like Monster Quest. He had four like four maybe 16 minutes tops of footage to film with. Yeah. Modern shows are literally constantly filming. Gigabytes to terabytes of data exist. For shows, oh, yeah. Like, crazy amounts of data exists looking for Bigfoot. And, like, hundreds of thousands of individual people have hunted Bigfoot with better technology and also failed to capture footage, which comes even close to what had been recorded that day, with better cameras. Newer cameras. Cameras with better zooms. Cameras that have night vision. Cameras that could do have better, like picture quality, so much stuff, right? To say the least, Patterson had been one of the luckiest human beings in human history, if the film is, in fact, authentic. Now, more importantly, Brandon, think back to the story for William Rowe, right? Does the William Rowe story sound a little bit familiar after watching the Patterson-Gimlin film again? Uh
1: Oh yes,
2: because <laughs> it's pretty yeah. much beat for beat the Patterson Gimlin film.
1: God, like and now I'm, I'm recalling beat. the all every like National Geographic and History Channel breakdown of the Patterson Gimlin, where they're break and they're actually describing Bigfoot's breasts in the videos.
2: Pendulous breasts. They're yeah. They're
1: yes, Bigfoot's like, pendulous breasts.
2: Down to the gender, it's the yeah. Same. They're the motion, all identical. The way it walks, the way it looks at the camera, everything is identical to William Rose's story. The fact that it leaves slowly, even identical to William Rose's story. Okay. Yeah. Very important. Um, and even more important than that, Patterson had written a book in 1966, in which he had a drawing of Rose's encounter in it, and it was basically a uh, storyboard for whether oh, like, some, someone were to, sh- perfect. to shoot it. Yeah. Now, again, Brandon, if Rose account, already on Sunday account, is not true, things really don't look good for the Patterson-Gimlin film, because it's like, beat for beat, the Patterson-Gimlin
1: film. Yeah.
2: Right? And the Patterson-Gimlin film was recorded by a man who was familiar with the story who already wanted to get involved in show business oh gosh (sighs) so now as for why Patterson might vehemently deny accusations of the film being faked he made a buttload of money on the film Gimlin who has been far less vocal about the events however sold his rights to the film so he had less stake in the continuation of the film being authentic he rarely made appearances prior to 2005 to, to talk about the film, um, although he denied having any hand in hoaxing with Patterson. After 2005, however, he did begin to visit Sasquatch contentions, although this smells like a monetary thing where it's like, hey, I've got money on the table. I might as well take it. Right? Like, just even yeah. selling autographs. <clears throat> um, But Brandon, he, regardless...
1: So I, let me know. Stop me if you if you cover this in the in the last bit, but if I remember correctly, I believe um one one passed away. His wife now owns the the cop the rights mm-hmm. to the Patterson Gimlin film. Yes, and there's a big legal battle because yeah. as long as like Discovery History Net Geo keeps showing that film, then the estate will continue to receive residuals off Mm -hmm. that film
2: yes and somebody else owns a controlling interest as well and they've split the interest between two people because i think because basically gimlin selling his film sold it to someone else and that person gained control like of rights for a certain context and then the Patterson family has control of the rights for certain contexts as well. So like nobody who's actually involved with the original story uh, like confirmed involved with the original filming uh, has any incentive to ever say that it's anything other than true.
1: Correct. Yes.
2: Because if anyone says that it's anything other than true their money, their cash cow dries up. Yeah. Like full stop. They no longer have the source of income like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to make the connection of maybe they might be lying for the sake of this but like once again I can't outright say it's a fake what I can say we can't say it's a fake but we can
1: say there is a very strong monetary incentive for the people who own the film
2: for it to not be a fake
1: for it to never come out to be
2: false correct so, like, I can't confirm or deny it, but, like, in my heart of hearts, I know that it's, like, I, I consider it fake. Yeah. Um, but, Brandon, like, regardless of what, what, whatever, regardless of whether it's true or false, this film has made an indelible mark on the human consciousness, right? It absolutely haunts the minds of those who seek it leaving us to ponder on the nature of life in the natural world. For some, this results in acceptance of cryptids in the paranormal. For others, it drives them to explore the natural world scientifically, recognizing even the mundanities of the world belie surprising complexity. If you happen to fall in the former category, you're part of why we started Cryptid, Cryptopedia three years ago, because it's also our three-year anniversary, and I have no intention of talking down to you or ridiculing your beliefs but I do hope the past hundred episodes have been a positive experience for you and like a chance to look into Brandon and I's worldview and hear potential explanations that we give to the phenomena. Like it might've been interesting at the very least, or may have given you a different perspective. Um, I don't think that there's many people who fall into the belief category who listen to our podcast just kind of because of the nature of our podcast. But you know, if you're here, if you're listening, like, I don't hate you because I disagree with you. Like, I want to be clear on that. Just because I disagree with someone doesn't mean I hate them or think they're stupid. Most of the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think we just fall in the category of, like, we we think the recipe is more interesting than the cake.
2: Oh, 100%. I legitimately think that, like, the rationale behind cryptid stories and, like, paranormal stories and, like, how they form is more important. Because, like, I don't think that everybody is out to get... I don't think everyone's out to, like, hoax everything. I think there's genuine belief out there in things. But I also think that sometimes that genuine belief is formed from a misunderstanding of natural phenomena. Which, that natural phenomena is interesting in its own right, and the misunderstanding is interesting in its own right. And I think that that's the fascinating part. Not necessarily that there was a ghost over there right i know that that has a lot of implications but like the like the the opposite of trying to understand and trying to think of alternative explanations to a supernatural reasoning is so rewarding in a sense yeah to me that i just love i love it i it's super super important to me and like um i don't really have much else to say about Bigfoot this episode because like We'll talk about Bigfoot more in the future. Well, we'll definitely talk about more Bigfoot. Um Bigfoot to me's origin is the we- one of the weakest honestly of cryptids out there. Surprisingly, it's like kind of weak sauce. When you take everything as like if you take a look at the the core pillars of the Bigfoot story, it's weak as shit. Um like, there's definitely cryptids who I would be more less surprised existing than Bigfoot, right? Like, a lot yeah. of them. Like, Bigfoot's kind of high on my list of things that I think are fake. Um, but, like, it's also a very appealing myth, right? Like, there's something kind of magical about the notion of Bigfoot, and, like, there's a primal quality to Bigfoot. That I think a lot of people really appreciate and think is interesting. Um, I don't. I don't have a full grasp of why Bigfoot is so compelling to people, but it is a compelling thing. And I, I honestly think that a lot of it is the Patterson-Gimlin film. Like, to be totally honest, I think that's a major part of why it's compelling. Um, but like, if it was filmed at a different speed, or like, there's so many things that could make it so that like it's less compelling. And, like, it's wild to me that that 10 seconds has changed the world so much. 10 seconds of film at uh, 16, that's 160 frames, right? 160 pictures basically changed the world. And that's just wild. Um, But regardless of your stance on the pan Paranormal... Uh, thank you for listening for the past three years, and uh, hopefully you have been the right amount of weird and not, like, the awful amount of weird, because, like, yeah. you know, we try to walk that line, but uh, I, don't always, I don't always nail that one.
1: It's it perpetually weird, the weird line.
2: I mean, I was born weird, and I'll be weird for the rest of my life, so.
1: <laughs> Maybe you were bored with it. Maybe you're John.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe it's John. Yep. (laughs) Oh, jeez. That's all I got to say for this episode. Brandon, you got anything you want to say for the episode?
1: Uh, well, thank you for sticking around for a hundred episodes. And I'm with you in that the, uh, the, the, the way in which things are misconstrued, the ghost is less interesting than the way in which the ghost was misconstrued or the way in which the the original folklore and culture around the ghost that actually created it was just that that's cooler than the that the, 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 the eggs are cooler than the cake man look at eggs
2: i mean it's the cultural context right yeah it's like, the cultural the...
1: context and the misunderstanding of the cultural context is far more interesting than the the Scooby Doo episode
2: well even even the Scooby-Doo episode has the cultural context in its own right right yeah there's there's still there's still trappings around it and like honestly the way that we view it is more the Scooby-Doo way of viewing at it to be like looking at it to be totally honest because like the Scooby-Doo way is not to believe things on its face right unless you're Shaggy and Scooby which in case you just get scared shitless every time but like you know (sighs) we had to get a Scooby-Doo reference in on episode we had to
1: like, w- like the to. the the reasoning behind old man and Jenkins is cooler than the fucking mask on his face. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was really weird that one time was Danny DeVito, though.
1: It was really weird that time with that was Danny a DeVito. Weird episode. Yeah.
2: Um, I actually watched the the Scooby Doo movie recently, the one made by uh, uh James Gunn or whatever. Yeah. It was pretty fucking good. Still, it was pretty funny. I forgot. It's never going to get old. In it. I forgot Mr. Bean was in it. The the thing that gets old Rowan is Atkinson? the CGI. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson was in in the Scooby Doo movie. He was like Mr. Mondavarius, the guy who ran the thing. Um, who spoiler alert for a movie that's over two decades old at this point I think. You are uh, not wrong. I watched it recently. Scooby
1: Doo two um, thousand two?
2: Yeah, that one. Um For spoiler, if you haven't seen the movie, Scrappy's uh, there. Yeah, yeah. The well, that's that's the spoiler. Is uh, Scrappy pilots a robot version of Mister Bean (laughs) from the movie, and nobody knows until the end. In which case, then he becomes Scrappy Rex. I think is the name. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie, but it's it's like it's the kind of weird that Scooby Doo deserves, in my opinion. It is. It's the it kind really of weird a
1: Scooby in the 2000s deserves.
2: They they really did it justice, honestly. Like, there's also a scene. Uh, the episode's done, by the way. Um, There's also a scene. <laughs> there's a scene in the Scooby-Doo movie where, like, smoke is coming out of the mystery machine. And, like, oh, Shaggy yes. and Scooby are making, like, food or like crepes or something yeah. like that or something along those lines they're like cooking something and there's smoke coming out of the mystery machine it's like i see what you fuckers did yep but um it was definitely made with a lot of love for the original source material it was um but anywho uh, i guess i'll get to the plugs for our hundredth episode um our website is CryptopediaCast.com. Our Instagram is at CryptopediaCast. Our Twitter is also at CryptopediaCast. Our email is CryptopediaCast at gmail.com or us at CryptopediaCast.com. And since this is episode 100, um, we usually thank the Jackalopes, right? Um, yes. But I think I think it might be worth it. I think it might be fine to thank everyone um, who listens to the podcast. Um, Most Indeed uh so i'm gonna well first i'm gonna go over the the patrons that i know of um and then of course anyone who's in the in the the discord you're thanked as well i just have a list of the patrons up right now and i don't have a list of the discord people up um (laughs) (laughs) um so brandon why don't you thank our jackalopes and then i'll thank our our other folks
1: Sure. All right. Well then, thank you to Clay Sinclair, Just Interface, reveal Marty Von Party, Bird Schneider, Jonathan Shepard, and Matthew with Y Smith.
0: Mhm.
2: Um. And then also the we're gonna I'm gonna just thank some people who I think we've thanked some of them before, but like not all of them. Um. Oh, thank you, Patreon, for being a pain in the butt. Uh, Lemwood. Thank you. He's, yes, Lenwood Sharp. He's he's the he's the lumberwoods. He's, yeah, he's him. Um, thank you to your mom. <laughs> uh,
1: My actual mom.
2: Yeah, uh, and then uh, we also have uh, a few people who are no longer patrons, but I also want to thank them. Like can't uh, blame them. I want to thank Ellie. I want to thank Bet. Uh, oh Brett yeah, Ellie Who Brett Rapp who is responsible for the the Pukwudgie and uh bridgewater triangle episodes that's uh a, a major thank you to that oh
1: um, I think we went to school spreadrap um did we right rep mop yeah I'll, I'll let you uh I'll fill you in on that secret afterwards
2: okay huh well thank you uh we thank Monty von party uh let's see um I have the now I have the the discord up as well um uh thank you to Allie... Thank you to, uh, Bert. Oh, we mentioned Bert Schneider. Uh, yep. Hollow Bones. Emma Llama, thank you. Emu. Thank you. Oh, Endon hello. Zephyr, Emu. Thank you. Um, Scythe master starfish world. Uh, that guy who likes everything on my, um, the guy who likes everything on my, uh, my Twitter. Every time I make a post Evan or whatever your name is. Thank you too. I think <laughs> you the so heartfelt. Um, he has a like. It's very memorable because he has yeah. a uh, what call it, um, Kermit the Frog, avatar. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I remember him every time. To- uh, he. It's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone. Um, and then I'm sure there's people in the Facebook group. All of but the I, folks. I don't, I don't have a Facebook group open. Um, I really want to thank you for the support. Um, we're we're still a pretty small podcast, but like. We're doing better, honestly, than I expected we would. I really didn't think we were going to make it to 100 episodes.
1: 100 episodes. I didn't think Um, there were 100 cryptids when we started.
2: I knew there was more than 100 cryptids, but I didn't think we were going to make 100 episodes. Um, But, yeah, thanks very much. Um, And, Brandon, uh, I guess it's time for your plugs. Sure, you
1: could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is BoyerB.com. My email is Brandon at CryptopediaCast.com. And my Twitter is at CryptoBrandon.
2: And I'm on Instagram at Mew2057. My Twitter is at JF dunham. My website is JohnDunhamGames.com. And my email is John at CryptopediaCast.com. And I want to point something out. I finally fixed the SSL on our website. I don't know if I mentioned that last time, but I did fix it.
1: <laughs> uh we got that locked now um mm-hmm. our inst, or sorry our art was done by tom hill you could find him on instagram at thomas michael hill his website is greatergloryco.com and his email is tom mike hill at gmail.com
2: all right well here's to a, a hundred of these freaking things uh i'm john i'm brandon and things have been pretty weird.
1: We're doing a pee break. We're doing a pee break. Uh. We're doing a pee break. We're doing a pee break. I wrote this in my th- 52 minutes in, so I can edit out the pee break song. The pee break song. The pee break song. John's not here, so I'll bust up the violin. I don't actually know how to play the violin. The violin. Ta-da! I don't know how to play the violin, but John's not here, so he can't tell. Unless his headset is Bluetooth, but I don't think it is. (sighs) He's taking a big ol' poop, a big ol' dookie. What's a poop song even sound like? Is it sad? I think poop can be sad, kinda. Or maybe mysterious? Is it... Like a set happy? Or is it a relaxing shit? Just something neutral? Neutral dookie? Who knows? Is it just a... whatever whatever kind of doo-doo that is who even knows man is it something with corn corn dookie it's the sound of corn in your doo-doo what's uh what's dookie even sound like What is Poop even? Who are you and I? What is Poop? Is it just a collection of red blood cells? And if so, is Poop what really gives us life? Is Poop the reason for the universe? Is poop even real? Sometimes I wonder what poopy is. Sometimes you are poop and sometimes poop is you. But sometimes poop doesn't even exist. Sometimes you sit down and it's just a fart. But isn't that just life? Life is just farts when you think it's a poop. And I think we really just need to remember that. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's just the poo. And I think that really just describes us all. Taking a long one.